Well, good evening, everyone. If you'll take your Bible with me this evening and open to Psalm 103, uh, we're going to immediately get to our lesson from Psalm 103. So we're uh, so glad to see you, so thankful to have you uh, tonight. We're going to practice what we preach this evening. You believe we ought to do that, don't you? Practice what we preach. So I'm going to preach Psalm 103 to you, and then we're going to practice it. We're going to practice what we preach. At the end of the service, toward the end of the service here in a few minutes, um, we're going to give you a chance, an opportunity to bless the Lord, uh, to give praise to God for something uh, in your life or something that he's uh, done for you or some scripture that has uh, spoken to you or uh, some intervention that God has given to you. Just, it may just be that you want to thank the Lord and bless the Lord for your salvation. Uh, so tonight we'll be doing that at the end of this service. So uh, that's why we're going immediately uh, to the scriptures this evening. Let's pray together. Lord, we do ask as we look at this uh, beautiful psalm that it will lift our spirits. Praise, praise the Lord that we'll be like it says here, that we'll be renewed like the eagles. And Lord, I pray that as we hear others praising you, that our hearts will be filled with praise for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for our Sunday evening crowd, and thank you for those that come uh, to hear the Psalms taught, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll bless this evening. In your name we pray, amen. I think, I think Marlene is the one who asked me to bring this particular Psalm. Am I right about that, Marlene? Uh, Marlene, I think, is the one who asked me to talk about this particular Psalm, and so uh, in honor of Marlene, I, I want to come to this Psalm. I love this psalm. It's uh, 22 verses long. You'll notice that it begins with the same phrase that it ends with. It starts with, bless the Lord, O my soul. It ends with, bless the Lord, O my soul. In uh, English literature, that's an inclusio. Uh, it's uh, meaning everything's all inclusive here from beginning to end. And it has something very special to say to us when we get to the end of this psalm uh, this evening. And something I want to point I want to make out of that when we get to the end of this psalm in a few minutes. But this is a psalm where the psalmist is filled with praise and filled with thanksgiving. To be honest with you, I need psalms like this psalm, don't you? I need psalms that are positive and praise-filled and make me stop and remember the benefits that God has bestowed upon me. I have a tendency to look at things and see the problems rather than the blessings. And maybe your personality isn't turned that way, but that's my problem. I, I look at America, I see uh, more than a million people crossing the border illegally, and I'm wondering to myself, why don't the Democrats and the Republicans get together and solve this problem rather than playing it as a p political pawn and uh, using people's lives in the process, damaging people's lives in the process? I mean, I understand why people want to come to America. If I didn't live in America, I'd want to come to America. But there's a right way to do it, and our politicians could make that happen if they wanted to make that happen, but they'd rather play politics with it. I think about the fentanyl that's coming across the border. Uh, the number one killer of our young people today is fentanyl. Uh, taking these uh, multicolored pills, don't even realize sometimes what all is in them, what degree or what strength is in them, and they take them, and before you know it, uh, they're, they're dead. Uh, I think about inflation. Are you thinking about inflation? Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about inflation. Every time Mother Mary, Mother Mary, every time Mary, <clears throat> I'm, I forget I'm not talking to my kids, I'm talking to you. Uh, every time uh, Mary uh, comes uh, back from the grocery store, says how much she spent at the grocery store, 
Obviously, I haven't quit eating yet, but uh, I'm, I'm beginning to think that may be happening in the coming days, uh, cutting back on food. Uh, the, the stock market's down. You look at the stock market, and if you've got a 401k, uh, just put off your retirement. It's going to be a little while. And uh, if you're already in retirement, we're praying for you. <laughs> we're praying for God to sustain you and take care of you. Uh, you look around, and you see uh, in our school system, you see... Uh, teachers that are activists, that are actively teaching students to dislike and hate America. They're actively teaching students to question their gender. Uh, they're actively looking to call uh, children's gender into question. And you hear about the murders, and I, my, my mind has a tendency to go to those things. And if, if you were with us, if you were with us at a, as, a, as a staff, you'd know periodically they see me drowning in my discouragement and depression. And they come and they rescue me. They throw in the lifesaver, you know, and they help me to climb out of the water before I drown in the water of all that discouragement. And one of the things you throw in that helps in these moments is a psalm like this one. This psalm makes us stop and think about not the, not the burdens, but about the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. And our real problem probably is, at least my real problem is, that sometimes I stopped, I failed to stop and count my many blessings and name them one by one and be surprised at what the Lord has done, as the old hymn says. But we need to do that, don't we? We need to stop and remember the benefits and the blessings uh, that are given to us. This is a psalm of David. We're not told exactly the circumstances when this psalm was given. Um, but it is a psalm of praise to God. He begins in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, by the word bless, it's the word barak. It's the word that means praise. It means worship. So when he says bless the Lord, he says it a number of times through here. When you see him say bless the Lord, he's saying praise the Lord, worship the Lord. Give the Lord adoration. Bless the Lord's name. And you're to do it with your soul. Uh, in this occasion, on this occasion, when he talks about the soul, he's not talking about that immaterial part of us uh, that we think of when God breathed into Adam and he became a living what? A living soul. We're not necessarily thinking about that aspect of the soul. When he talks here about the soul, he's really talking about every part of our being. He's talking about the totality of of our being. It's a little bit like what uh, uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman were talking about. He said that God was looking for those that would worship him, how? In spirit and in truth. And not just the truth, but with their hearts and uh, in the truth. You don't, you don't want to have one and not the other. You want to have them both together. That's what he's saying. I want you to bless the Lord. I want you to praise his name. I want you to worship him. I want you to give to him the honor of which he is deserving, and I want it to come from the very depths of my being, and I want it to be all, he says in verse 1, all that is within me. I would have you to go through here. I didn't count them, but how many times he uses the word all? It's all there, a whole bunch of times, all the time. It's there. It's over and over again. He talks all, all, but he begins with all that's within me. He says, bless the Lord. In other words, don't hold anything back. Now, are you a reserved kind of a person? I'm, I'm sort of reserved. I'm sort of backwards. Um, I'm better with a book in a corner than I am in a meeting like this. Uh, that's just, you know, my personality. Uh, maybe you're that way as well. Maybe you're shy. Uh, maybe you grew up being shy. 
And it's hard for me, as I've said to you many times, because my mother said, put your hands in your pocket. It's hard for me to lift my hands, and it's hard for me to get excited and go running. I'm not in the service, but go running. It's hard for me to go running, period. But to go running because you're excited, it's hard for me to do those kind of things. You know, you, you're supposed to keep that steady, eddy kind of feeling. You know, just everything's sort of smooth and calm and collected. You don't let anybody see you get too high. Don't let anybody see you get too low. Any of you like that, or am I the only nut in the room? You mean there's some other nuts in the room? That, that's just sort of the way I am. But the psalmist comes and says, look, it's time to, to let nothing hold, be held back. It's time to come and let nothing be held back. To let everything that's in you from the very depths of who you are, with all that you are, with your mouth, with your voice, with your lips, with your words, with your hands, with your feet, with everything there is about you, it all should be saying, praise the Lord. That'd be a good place for us to say. Pray, well, amen is good too. Praise the Lord is what I was thinking. But that'd be a good place for us to say, praise the Lord. I mean, we ought not hold back, the psalmist said. There's just something healthy. Excuse me. I almost fell over here. There's just something healthy about us saying, praise the Lord. There's just something healthy to our spiritual lives and to the lives of others around us when they hear us, bless the Lord. He goes on. He says, bless the Lord. He says it a second time, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all of my being, every aspect of me, and forget not. Here's the word all again, all his benefits. Now, I think it's interesting. He didn't say remember his benefits. He says don't forget them. He put it in the negative rather than in the positive. Most of the time, what we would do was we put it in the positive. We'd say, I want you to remember the benefits God's given to you. But here he says, don't forget the benefits, because what he's going to do is he's going to tell you one of the ways that you can not fail to forget his benefits. And what is that? It is to praise God. When you start praising God, praise uh, produces praise. Praise uh, is like adding bricks on top of each other. You know, you just get higher and higher and higher and higher. And you start here praising, and then you praise more, and then you praise more, and you praise more. Don't forget all of his benefits. And one of the ways that you will not forget them is if uh, you stop and uh, you praise him for the things that are going on in your life. Have you stopped today to praise the Lord for something uh, going on in your life? I was, um, this is a personal moment, but I was sitting over here this morning in the second service and Mary was up here on the piano and the praise team was singing and doing their thing. And uh, Mary was turning. She, you know how she does. She, she, she plays like this, and she's, she smiles, and she's all pretty, and she looks so pretty. And I got my camera out, and I got my camera. I can't do it now, I don't think. I got my camera out, and I zoomed in, and I took two pictures of her. And I thought, yeah, aren't I wonderful? I didn't say it for that reason. What I was sitting there, for, for that moment, I was sitting there, I was thinking, how blessed I am to have her in my life is my wife. Can you imagine 46 years, what she's had to endure, what she's had to put up with? How Don't say amen to that. How, how blessed, how blessed I am. But sometimes we just need to look around us and we need to, when we see the benefits and we see the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, we just at that moment, don't put it off till later. Don't forget all of his benefits. 
when you see them right there in front of you, thank the Lord and give him thanks for them. When you walk out of here in a little while, you're going to get in an air-conditioned car. You're going to ride home. Maybe yours is an electric car. Maybe yours is a gas-powered car. Maybe yours is one of those hybrid kinds of cars. And you're going to drive home. You ought to thank the Lord for that vehicle. Hmm? We could be meeting out in the lean-to somewhere, out in the hot sun. And we could be sitting on benches that have no backs to them and no padding on them other than the padding we brought with ourselves. Uh, we could be, you know, have we thanked the Lord today for a church building where we can come together and the beauty of a place like this to be able to gather in your name, to be able to say we're a part of the family of God and be able to worship the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He goes on, who forgave all our iniquities. Oh, my. We ought to just stop in glory for a moment. He forgives all our iniquities. I don't know about you, but I look back across my life, and even since I've become a Christian, I see so many faults and failures and fumbles along the way. We call them faults and failures and fumbles. Really, they're just sins, and I'm so thankful that God is a forgiving God. I'm so thankful that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid everything in full once for all, for all time. And when we trust in Jesus, our forgiveness relationally is settled forever. But the forgiveness that we need uh, in, in, a, in, in a fellowship sense is something that every single day we need, is, we need is forgiveness, don't we? And who is it that forgives all our iniquities? It's God who forgives all our iniquities. Have you thanked him today for forgiving you of your sins? Now, you realize that your sins were going to take you to hell? The sin of unbelief was going to take you to hell. Your sins were going to determine the degree of the punishment that you were going to endure. And yet Jesus came and Jesus took away the penalty of your sins. I mean, don't forget his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I'm so thankful that God is the healer. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I have a lot of doctor friends I have more at this age than I used to have. Uh, i got a lot of doctor friends that have been very kind to me and very helpful to me, and uh, I especially appreciate all that they do. But I'm grateful for what doctors do. I'm in and out of hospitals over the years, the last 45 years, in and out of hospitals. I mean, some of the greatest and most wonderful men and women you'll ever meet are those medical professionals, whether they're doctors or nurses or technicians or whatever they may be doing. They're incredible, but... Even a doctor knows the best he can be is an instrument in the hand of the Almighty God that ultimately the only one who can heal is God himself. You can prescribe medication up to a point, but if God chooses not to heal, it doesn't matter what medication you give, you can't be healed, right? God is the one who gives healing in our bodies. Yes, he's created these bodies. We understand how they work. Doctors are able to facilitate uh, the healing of our bodies, but they couldn't do any of that apart from the goodness of God and the power of God. It says, who redeems your life from destruction. He's not talking on this occasion about, he's not talking on this occasion about redeeming us from eternal damnation. Uh, he's talking about redeeming our loved ones, talking about redeeming us as his loved ones. But when you think about uh, this kind of redemption that we're talking about, uh, you, you remember this, the, the, the truths of the Old Testament about the kinsman redeemer? If somebody in the Old Testament uh, killed a member of your family, you were to take that into your own hands and you could go find that person and you could take their life. 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that kind of a thing. Or uh, if uh, you uh, were uh, married and you and your wife didn't have a, a son to be the heir to your property, then the next brother, if you, and you died, your next brother would, would uh, father a child by his sister-in-law so that the property could be kept in the name of the family. Hey, that would change the way you looked at it when your brother went to get married. Think about that. She could become my wife. You better make sure she's good looking. Right? Uh, or you think about uh, Abraham when Lot was taken captive and they carried him away. What did, what did Abraham do? Abraham went after them. That's what God's talking about. God is the one who comes into the moments of our lives when destruction is all around us, when there's trouble all around us, and God redeems us. God buys us back. You know what would happen sometimes, Leviticus 25 and Leviticus 25? You could be in a position where financially you couldn't afford to live, and you'd have to sell yourself into slavery in order to make money. Of course, every year of Jubilee, every 50th year, everybody went back, all the money was paid off, all the property went back to its original owner because God ultimately is the, uh, the uh, real owner. He, he simply allowed the nation of Israel to have pieces of it here and there that they claimed as their own, and that was the year of Jubilee. But if before the year of Jubilee, one of your loved ones could come and they could pay the price for you and set you free so that your indebtedness was paid off, that's what he's talking about. Who is it that redeems us from the destructions of life? It's God, isn't it? The ultimate redemption that he gave us is when he left heaven's glory, robed himself in flesh, uh, lived amongst us in perfect obedience to the law of God, suffered and died on the cross of Calvary, gave his life for us and shed his blood that we might be forgiven so that he could redeem us from destruction. He forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems our lives from destruction. That's three. Number four, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this. We're watching uh, the queen uh, in, in England be buried, and we've heard talk about the crowns and the jewels that were in those crowns. He's not talking about a physical crown, the kind where you have diamonds and jewels that are in it. He's talking about the crown of his loving kindness he puts on us. The, the word loving kindness is the, is the Hebrew word hesed. I can't say it properly. You've got to say it way back in the back of your throat. And if I do that, well, that'll be embarrassing. So, um, but it's the idea of a steadfast love. Matter of fact, you may find it translated in some of your translations as steadfast love or faithful or loyal love, especially in the covenant. Israel had a covenant with God. God had forgiven them their iniquities. He healed them of their diseases. He redeemed them from all the destructions that were around them, and he crowned them with his loving kindness, his loyal, faithful, devoted love. Can I just remind you that God is not through with Israel? This is not a part of this message, tonight, this uh, psalm tonight. But can I just remind you, the church did not replace Israel. Uh, Israel is still going to have all of the promises that God made to her about a kingdom that's going to come. He still has all of those promises that are going to be fulfilled to her. You and I are not uh, a spiritual Israel. 
Because God has crowned those people. He has crowned them with his loving kindness. Within the covenant of God, he has crowned them with that loving kindness. If you want to get an idea of how important that is, keep your place here now and go with me back to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is going to drive home this point. Here's what I want you to do. This was an antiphonal psalm. In other words, somebody would say the first part of the psalm, and then everybody would say the second part of each of these verses. So we're just going to do what the, what, what the Jews would do with Psalm 136. You know what I'm saying? Every one of these verses ends with the phrase, for his mercy endures forever. That's your part. Every time you see it, for his mercy endures forever. By the way, everybody who says, I don't like those 7-Eleven songs, you sing the same seven words 11 times, just get used to it because Psalm 136 is a 7-Eleven psalm. Psalm 136, I'm going to read the first part. You're going to join me on the second part because this is what he said. I've crowned you with this. By the way, he's crowned all of us with this kind of love, but he's talking to the, the people of Israel. I've crowned my people with this kind of steadfast love within the covenant that I have for them. So let's do this together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down a great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Ah, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures endures forever and gave their land as a heritage for his mercy endures forever a heritage to Israel his servant for his mercy endures forever who remembered us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever and rescued us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever who gives food to all our flesh for his mercy endures forever oh give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever amen They were crowned with that loving kindness, that mercy. By the way, this word for mercy is loving kindness here in, in my translation. It's loving kindness here in verse 4. It's mercy at the end of verse 8. It's mercy again in verse 11. And it's mercy again in verse seven, 17. Four times the word is used through here. God has crowned his people with this faithful, steadfast love, loyal love. By, by the way, um, one of my favorite verses is over here in Lamentations. You don't need to turn there. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Though the Lord's said that mercies, we are not through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are, what do you know the next words? New, how often? Every morning. And then what does he say? Great is your faithfulness. Wow. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Why, why are we remembering these things? Why do we, are we praising God for these things so we'll never forget his benefits? Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Oh, there is nothing like an ice cream sandwich. I don't get it yet. I don't understand it. If chocolate is good for you and milk is good for you, why can't milk chocolate be good for you? I don't understand. But aren't you thankful that God satisfies our mouth with good things? This is sort of what uh, Paul was talking about to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You remember in chapter 6, um, he was writing to Timothy, this young man, and he said, look, you tell people don't trust in their riches. Nothing wrong with having riches. There were a number of people in the Bible that had riches. But he said, don't trust in your riches. Uh, your riches will fail you every single time. But you know what he says in the midst of that passage? He says, all things are given to you richly to enjoy. All things are given to you richly to enjoy. Enjoy your home. Enjoy your yard. Enjoy the beauty of the sky above you. Enjoy swimming in the pool. Enjoy the things that God has given to you. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Number, number six, so that, you, so that your youth, and here, here's the sixth one, is renewed. I mean, he forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, he renews, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. I'm still waiting on that last one to come true for me. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's more like lamentations I was just reading to you than it is about your physical strength. And when you see him talking about an eagle, that's a symbol of strength and vitality and endurance. Have you seen an eagle flying in the sky? Are they not incredibly beautiful? And they fly way up there, way above all the other birds. I mean, up where they see everything, they have this eye. The eagle eyes, they can see things that nobody else can say. But God is the one who comes to us, and God is the one who renews us, and God is the one who strengthens us. What's Jeremiah say? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who does that? God does that. A few months ago, I was at the end of my strength. And God came and he renewed me. He'll renew you. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice. Here's the word all. For all who are oppressed, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Will God take care of his people? Absolutely. Maybe you won't see justice in this world, but you will see justice. The nation of Israel will see justice on the enemies of Israel. And then he says, verse 6, he, he, he moves the first, uh, verses 3 and 4 and 5, he moves from the positives uh, to the negatives, the benefits that God's given to us. Uh, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Maybe we should just stop there for a moment. He's merciful and gracious. Have you ever stopped to think, by the way, the word merciful there is not the same one as the one we were talking about earlier. It's a different, it's a different Hebrew word. 
The Lord is merciful. Uh, God's mercy is when he uh, withholds what we rightfully deserve. I mean, we would fall under the weight of what we rightfully deserve except for the mercy and the grace of God. The grace of God is the unmerited favor of God. But now notice, he's slow to anger. Here's, here's the negative side of things. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I'm so thankful that my father is slow to anger. Uh, my heavenly father, my earthly father was slow to anger. I saw my daddy mad one time in my whole life. It was over something that uh, was said to him, and I watched him. He hit a wall. He hit the wall in the house. only time I ever saw my daddy mad. Can I tell you what? You have a God in heaven who's slow to anger. We have this picture of God that he's sitting on the edge of heaven with some kind of a big stick, just gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. God's angry with all these things. Listen, God loves his people. He's abounding in mercy. You notice, secondly, he says he will not always strive with us. To strive means to manifest his displeasure. He's talking now to the, the Jews they're in this covenant relationship with him where he has crowned them with his loving kindness, his faithful and loyal love, but sometimes they walk away from him. When they walk away from him, he manifests his displeasure with them. But he says, I won't leave that displeasure forever. It'll not, I'll not always strive with you, nor will he keep his anger forever. Thank the, thank the Lord for that. Verse 10, he has, he has not dealt with us according to our sins if God had dealt with us according to our sins, the moment, uh, well, I, I guess uh, we'd already be in hell, wouldn't we? We'd already be in hell. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Oh, there's nothing about me that deserves what God has given to me, and there's everything about me that deserves the punishment that God could give to me, but thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his forgiveness. Thank God for his redemption. Thank God for his loving kindness. Thank God for his satisfaction. Thank God for his renewal in our lives. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in mercy. Thank God that he doesn't stay angry always. Thank God that he forgives us of our sins. Now listen, verse 11. This, this is, listen about your sins. For as the heavens are high above the earth... So great is his mercy. There's our word has said. So great is his mercy toward those who fear him as far, by the way, who fear him. Those who fear him, that phrase is found four times. Do you know who he's talking about? Those who follow his ways. Those who are faithful to him. Those who obey him. That's who he's talking to. We know that. Look at verse 18. Just skip over to verse 18. To such as keep his commandment. Those who remember his commandments. Who are those who fear the Lord? Those who keep his commandments. Those who remember his commandments. That's the ones that fear the Lord. But as a father pities his children, excuse me, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, I've always been told this. I, I'm not a scientist, and I don't know this. I'm, I think it's right, but I don't know for sure. But if it's not, it makes a good illustration whether it's right or not. If you go north and south, you can meet a pole. If you go north, you go south, you meet a pole. But if you go east, you never meet west. If you go west, you never meet east. That's what I've always been told. Now, if that's not right geographically, 
You, you uh, geography teachers, come find me afterwards. Go see Brother Tim. <laughs> Let your complaint be known to Brother Tim. Straighten him out, and he'll come straighten me up. The fact of the matter is, his, our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us again. Do you realize God never forgets anything? God's an omniscient God, but here's what he promises. I won't remember your sins against you. Why? Because I have, for, I have forgiven you of your iniquities. I've redeemed your life. I've crowned you with loving kindness. I've satisfied your mouth. I've renewed you with, with uh, wings like eagles or like eagles. And that's what God has done. He's taken our sins away. You don't have to live under this constant fear of what's going to happen next. If you're a child of the living God, I know what's going to happen next. Your heart stops here, you're in the presence of the Lord. That's the goodness of God. We had four families this past week that went through that experience. One of those went through it today. I say last week. Three last week and one today that went through that experience but they went immediately into the presence of the Savior because God has removed our, our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's put his mercy on those who fear him. He goes on, verse 13, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities, here it is again, those who fear him. That's those who follow his ways, those who are faithful to him, those who are obedient, those who know his covenant, his commandments, I should say, and those who remember his commandments. He pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Aren't you thankful God pities us? And you know why he pities us? Verse 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. <laughs> I don't know if you, you realize this or not, but one day all of us will be dust in a box. I'm sorry. I'm not excited about that either. Especially if you put me in the ground where water is going to be inside with me. You might mix that dust with water and I might become like a Superman or something. Who knows? But that's the fact of the matter is if you cremate somebody, if you put them in a box, they all end up the same way. They all end up dust. He remembers that we're dust and he pities us. He has compassion on us. He understands our frailties. He understands our weaknesses. Are you like me? I have trouble remembering more than I used to have trouble remembering. What's my wife is laughing over here like there's something she knows that you need to know. I walk from one room into another and move into that room going to do something or get something. By the time I've got to the room, I don't remember why I went to the room. I have to write everything down. I write everything down. I keep everything in a file. It goes with me everywhere. Every password I have for everything I own, <laughs> it's in this phone. If I see you anywhere near it, <laughs> it's in that phone. He pities us because he knows that our frame is weak. Uh, you're going to live 80 or 90 or 100 years. Uh, Steve Hoggs' mother lived to be 102, could still play the piano until the very end. Uh, my mother lived to be 96. My daddy was 87. Um, we're all going to die. And God has compassion on us. He understands us. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailties. It's hard to understand that. 
that a God who's infinite, is transcendent, and that sovereign would have any knowledge or care anything about you or me, but he does. He sees when you get in that Ford, and he knows you need to get a Chevrolet. I say that as I drive a Volkswagen. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. But by the way, before we do that, when he talks about us being like dust, it reminds me of what James says. We're like a, what's the word? We're like a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. Poof. It's gone. That's what he's talking about. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. I mean, those flowers, they, they jump up and they're so beautiful for a little while. But then the wind passes over it and it's gone. I wish it did that for the weeds. It does it for the flowers. It does it for the grass. You know, our grass goes dormant. Our trees go dormant for the wintertime. And in, in its place remembers it. And its place remembers it no more. But... Here's the adversative. While we're passing and our frame is just dust and we're like flowers that are here for a little while and then gone, we're like grass that grows up and then goes away. But here's his faithful love, his loving kindness, his mercy. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Can we just stop there for a moment? He's contrasting the temporary nature of mankind in the everlasting nature of God's loving kindness. It never goes away. It's always there. Uh, you may mess up along the way, but your father still loves you. He's still, he's still the father of the prodigal son who's standing at the roadway looking over the crest of the hill waiting for you to come home. And he's, when he sees you, he's still the one who comes running to you and throws the robe on you and welcomes you home even after all you did. That's the kind of father that we serve. That's the kind of God who is our God. And that kind of loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. His righteousness from children's, uh, his righteousness to children's children. Listen, we should be handing down this view of God from one generation to the next. Are y'all with me? I'm looking at mostly... Uh, 45s and older. Well, maybe I should say 65s and older. No, no, no. I'm looking at mostly 45s and older. You're not 40. You're not, you're not 60 either. Okay. I got corrected right here in front of everybody. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the older generation, and I'm, I'm asking the question, where's the younger generation? Do we need the word? Does everybody need the word? Does everybody need to be taught? Do we all have a responsibility to make sure? Do you realize, I talked to my daughter this afternoon, they lead the, the children's ministry downstairs, do an incredible, 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 incredible job. I'm so thankful for what they're doing downstairs. But she was sharing her burden for me for how we might be able to do something on Sunday night that would engage the minds of children who don't have the teaching that if they went to a Christian school or to a private school, the kind of teaching that would give them the kind of depth 
to prepare them for what they have to face in the life that they're, they're going to have to live in this society? You realize how many kids, they know their favorite baseball player. They know what to do when they round first base. They know how to jump in the water and swim to the other end of the pool. They know how to make a basket. They know how to swing a golf club. They know a lot of things, but they don't know the Lord. I mean, they may be saved, but they don't really know the Lord. You think that's important when a teacher is standing before them and saying, you know, you could be a girl even though you're born with boy parts. You, you think that might be important? When they get to high school and the teacher says to them, the biology teacher says to them, you weren't specially made by God in his image. That's all a fantasy. That's all a farce. You evolved from a lower form. You were just a monkey at some point in the past. I've seen some professors that look like monkeys and act like monkeys. But I got news for you. Even those professors were made in the image of God. Verse 18, to such as keep his covenant. I already mentioned this. To those who remember, that's the ones who fear the Lord. To those who remember his commandment to do them. The Lord, now listen. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. You say, I don't like what's going on in the world. It's not outside of the control of the almighty God. God has his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules. Do you see the word all? There it is again. Rules over all. So I don't understand why God would let this happen. I heard David Jeremiah say today that God has to let these things happen sometimes so that we can become who we need to be. I go home on Sunday after church service. I listen to five preachers. I listen to Dr. Yusuf, David Jeremiah, uh, Charles Stanley, and uh, who did I just talk about? Jeremiah. No, no, not Jeremiah. And, uh, and uh, Greg Lowry. That's four preachers. Excuse me. My math was off. Go home and listen to four preachers. I need preaching just like you need preaching. Don't, you know, I need it too. And I'm reminded that God is at work in this world. And then he closes out. He says it four times. The phrase he started with twice, he closes out four times. Bless the Lord. That's praise, worship, Adore, bless the Lord, you his, you, who, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Who should praise him? The angels should praise him. As a matter of fact, when we see them in the Revelation, what are they doing? They're around the throne of God and they're praising him over and over and over, aren't they? Verse 21, bless the Lord, all you who his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. All that are serving him, especially those heavenly beings, giving honor and praise to God. Verse 22, bless the Lord, all his works. Do you realize all God's works bless his name? Praise him in all places of his dominion. Did you see all? You find all in verse 21. You find all twice in verse 22. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. What is he telling us? Everywhere we go, everything we see, everything should be giving praise to God. What did he say? If the rocks, if, if you won't cry out his praises, he could make even the what to cry out his praises. 
Even the rocks, even the rocks should be calling out God's praises. Everything should be praising the Lord. And he finishes in verse 22 by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, I said at the beginning of this, we're about to give you a chance to bless the Lord. That this is an inclusio. It starts with the same phrase that it ends with. It's a beginning and an ending. But the purpose of putting it this way, it ending with bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. It's, it's, sort, of like a, it's sort of like a roller coaster. You remember, you've been on one of the roller coasters at Kings Island or one of the Six Flags over Georgia or, you know, Disney World, whatever. You remember, they pull you to the very top of the hill and you click, 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 click. And you're thinking to yourself, why is this clicking so much? You know, click, 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 click. And you get to the very top of the hill and everything sort of stops. And then you go over a little bit at a time, and then it's And you're all over the place, up and down and in and out, and you're, oh, and you're screaming, you're holding your hands up, you're holding your toupee on, you're doing whatever you have to do. Keep your teeth in your mouth. But then that comes right back to another crescendo. This is, this is what he's doing with this inclusio. He starts with this praise the Lord. He ends with this praise the Lord. He pulls us to the top of the hill, says praise the Lord. Then he dips down into this valley and tells you all these things to praise him for. And he brings you back to the top of the hill again because he wants you to go down into that valley and praise the Lord again. He's going to bring you right back up to the top again. You're going to hear it click, 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 click. Because he wants you to go back into that valley and keep praising him. Don't stop praising the Lord. I know that's sort of rudimentary in my illustrations. That's not really eloquent. That's okay. I'm more like John the Baptist, I think, than an eloquent orator. I'll come eating ho- locusts and wild honey and dressed in, you know, a burlap sack. <laughs> <laughs> 